Hey, welcome to the Open Doors podcast. It's been a while since we started um, worshiping in person again at the Neighborhood Academy in Garfield. We haven't been releasing many podcasts. I think we've maybe just done one uh, this fall, and now it is January 23rd, and we have been uh, doing online worship again as we wait for COVID numbers to go down so that we can get back together safely uh, in person coming here hopefully in a few weeks uh, but we'll we'll have to wait and see in the meantime it's been great uh, worshiping on zoom we've really enjoyed it and we're doing things a little differently than we did uh, last year on zoom when uh, we didn't do music live but now we are and we're kind of having fun with that not taking it too seriously but that's the music you're hearing right now that was recorded this morning Um, Today's sermon is uh, on the passages in the lectionary, and it focuses in on uh, the church being the body of Christ, and the body of Christ uh, really bearing witness uh, to, to the mission of Jesus in the world today. So here you go. So when I, uh, when we use the lectionary, we often use the lectionary, um, the lectionary kind of guides us throughout the year, uh, week by week through the scriptures. Um, it, it gives pastors scriptures to preach on, but it does a great job of, uh, giving you choices. And some pastors are really good at using all of the scriptures and weaving them together and finding unity among them. I am usually not good at doing that, and I usually choose one to focus in on. But this week, this week, um, that that weaving kind of happened when I first read the scriptures in the lectionary. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bring three um, to us today, and we've already read one of them. It was Psalm 19. That's what we read um, responsively as the call to worship. Psalm 19. As we get into these scriptures, we're going to recognize um, that we are the body of Christ. Paul is going to, Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians is going to talk about that. The human body is what he talks about and connects it to the body of Christ. The human body consists of many different parts that come together to make a whole, right? And our brains are almost, uh, almost like many different brains. The human brain is so complex with different parts that comes together to make a whole. Nature is like our bodies. Many parts function in relationship and community in ways that we humans are just starting to understand. It's called ecosystems. This is the nature of nature. The natural world is built upon individuals collaborating to making a whole. That's what we see with cells working together to make a simple organism. That's what we see with swarms of bees working together to make a colony. 
Billions of stars come together to make galaxies. There are so many examples in nature. There's very little in the, na- in the natural world that God has created that we can pull out and say, this thing exists in singularity. It seems everything that God has created exists in relationship. The nature of the universe brings awe and inspiration to those gifted with the ability to observe this relational complexity. Those gifted with the ability to observe. Who's that? Well, it's us. Us human beings. Throughout the Psalms, there are songs praising God with wonder as the psalmist observes the natural world. That's what is happening in Psalm 19 that we read. In scriptures, we see individual parts of creation come together to worship God. I thought about, well, we didn't do a kid song today. Uh, maybe we'll do this one next week. But do you remember the really uh, fun kid song, uh, Ain't No Rock? Alyssa would have like not done this probably if I had asked her to. But uh, maybe next week I'll do it just by myself if the kids are willing to sing really loud. Um, Ain't No Rock, where in that song we talk about rocks and birds and what else? Ain't No Bird, Ain't No Something Else. Tree! I heard somebody downstairs in my house yell tree. Tree! Um, Yeah, so all these things are worshiping God and in that song the kids say, I'm not going to let the tree take my place. I want to join in too. Pretty cool. Maybe we'll sing that next week. In that first lectionary passage, Psalm 19, the writer sees the cosmos proclaim the wonder of God. The very first verse was, The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. The firmament was like, the understanding of this this dome over the earth where all the stars were. So basically, the stars and everything we see in the sky, all this complexity that we barely know anything about, we still, even today, know so little of the fullness of the universe. And it's all proclaiming the glory of God. Nothing exists as an island out there. The whole cosmos functions together to proclaim the wonder of the creator. And yet in this unity is great diversity. This unity of of worshiping God exists in such diversity. Nature shows us that the greatest health is found in ecosystems with the greatest diversity. Like the interconnectedness of the cosmos, the body of Christ should function in community. Many different and diverse parts functioning with unity. Kind of like the story that we heard from Miss Jen. All these children created with different gifts. And when we come together, we are the body of Christ with our diversity functioning in unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 12, says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body... Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 
and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, kids, if you're listening still, imagine a human being that only has a big, giant eyeball. That's all you are, is just a big eyeball. Paul is kind of being funny here, I think. <laughs> if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members and one body. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, God, for it. Paul uses the human body as a metaphor for us to understand the church and how to have unity where there is great diversity. If we look even at a small part of the body, like we look at the foot, my kids well, especially Taya, she hates feet. Actually, Lyle might hate feet even more. I had my sock off yesterday, and he's like, Dad, can you please put your socks back on? And I did. So even the, even the foot, look, think about your foot. It's made up of perfectly connected individual parts all working together. A part of the body maybe some of us don't like for some reason very much, but it has this incredible complexity to it. I know many of you practice meditation as part of your prayer practice. Meditation or centering prayer, it can involve paying attention to parts of the body that we usually cognitively ignore. Try doing a walking meditation sometime and focus on the, the work that your your body does, especially your feet, when you walk. We don't think about what our feet are doing very often, but our feet do amazing things. So many parts of your body work perfectly in tandem, even when we're just doing something as simply as walking. Or think about your brain. It consists of many parts that both collaborate and compete. If one part of our brain is functioning really, really strongly, it can cause us to have problems. Like our amygdala might make us have anxiety and other parts of our brain can't get control and help us have peace. Meditation and prayer are basically giving parts of our brain a chance to drive the car, the car of our body and our brain, that usually are overshadowed by other parts of our brain. The parts that say, go, 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 fast, fast, fast. Well, we, in, in prayer and in meditation work, we, we allow the other parts of our brain that say, slow down, find peace, pay attention to the things that we usually ignore. All these parts of our brains function individually and together. And they're absolutely essential to having a healthy, whole person. Without one toe on our foot, when we walked, 
we would have to learn how to walk all over again. People have to have parts of their uh, foot amputated. I actually have a friend who, uh, due to diabetes, had to have part of her foot amputated just last week. And she's going to have to learn how to walk again. She didn't have her whole foot taken, just some of her toes. And yet those toes help her walk. And now she's going to have to learn to walk again. When one part of the brain overfunctions, we fall into mental health problems. Our brains are like balancing ecosystems. Paul's metaphor of the body is really amplified by having us having a deeper understanding of science because God's creation shows that Paul was right, that nothing really exists in a vacuum, that everything that God has created needs everything else that God has created in order to survive, in order to thrive. If we want to know what happens when diversity is lost, when we lose one member, we need not look further than the natural world. Scientists, as I've said before, calling our time in history right now the sixth mass extinction. They also call it the Anthropocene, the epoch when human action is affecting every living thing on earth. There's a lot of sickness and suffering in natural ecosystems today due to our inability to see that all things are connected. Our own health and well-being, though we like to ignore this, are inextricably linked to the health and well-being of everything else. And we know that God mourns the loss of anything, any member of the whole. That reminds me that our church, not our church necessarily, but, but the church, is a suffering body. Some of our absolutely essential parts are failing. Today we mourn the church like we mourn the loss of our own health, or we might mourn the loss of elements to an ecosystem when uh, creatures go extinct. The church is like an ecosystem. The church isn't so healthy right now. Every denomination, every flavor of the Christian faith is in decline. Some denominations like our own, the Presbyterian Church USA, we might agree with it theologically, we might really feel good about the, the brain part of the Presbyterian Church USA, and yet we're failing to reach people with the gospel, and people are leaving Presbyterian churches faster and faster. And the same is true with many other denominations. Even the ones that we think are growing, like the large evangelical churches, they're losing members very quickly. Our churches are, are reaching and, and growing. Some churches are, are reaching people and growing, but their message has become warped. It's become what I would call sub-Christian. A gospel of Christian nationalism is not the gospel. These churches, are they even a part of the body of Christ? I think at some point, some of them become a different body not Christ's body. 
but Christ's body here in America is suffering. Much of the American church is stuck in individualistic worldview of modernism. But I believe the Holy Spirit is leading a remnant to this interconnectedness of all things, to a new way, maybe an ancient way, uh, maybe a biblical way of thinking of all of creation and of thinking of the church and of thinking of people and interconnectedness in all of it. We can see that like creation, the body of Christ is only healthy when all parts are functioning in right relationship. So yes, the church is suffering all over the country no matter your denomination or your politics, the church is suffering because it's not united. But at the same time, the body of Christ is emerging with new health, new vitality, shedding the parts of the body that are not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Let's think about for a minute with our next lectionary passage, um, that the mission that, that Jesus calls us to, that defines um, the action of the body of Christ. What is the gospel? What is the good news that Jesus proclaimed that the body of Christ would bring into the world? Well, here's one passage, and it's the, the next lectionary passage, the third one. One passage among many where Jesus makes it very clear what the mission what his mission is, and therefore what the mission of the church is to be. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. It says, Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, there he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as, he was, as was his custom. He stood up. So imagine he's in, in the synagogue, and he stands up, and he takes the scroll of Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's like mic drop. He rolls up the scroll, and he gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down. It says, The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is so confident in his mission. I have come to bring good news to the poor. He says, I have come, I have been sent to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus's mission statement right there. Jesus came into the world to shake the people of God into a new way of faithfulness that would bring the love of God, 
throughout the world and specifically to all those who have been separated from the body. All those who have been individualized and cast out from the community. Jesus' mission was to bring reunification, restoration to relationships, a reconnection of all those who had lost their connection to God and to the community. Now, these things are not easy. This kind of restoration is Dr. King's kind of restoration. It involves justice. It involves nonviolent direct action. It involves hard work of systemic change. And we know today that any time justice is pursued in the world, the enemy will, will mount a counterattack. Just think of our world today. Think of our, um, our efforts today for justice. And just this year, the vilification of those trying to seek justice in this country by some other side. In our gospel passage, the chosen people of God are living under the reign of a powerful empire. The religion of the time is insular and even conservative, trying to hold on to a way of being in the world that didn't work for many people, that caused disunification, caused people to be outcasts, caused injustice. But Jesus is bringing healing into the world, freedom from oppression and sin. He makes it clear he will bring justice. When Paul says in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians that we read, uh, verse 22, Paul says, On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And then verse 23, he says, And those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. So Lyle, I know you're listening. That's like, he's like saying the feet are actually really good things. and They're beautiful and they're as important as your beautiful eyes or whatever it may be. That's a metaphor for justice in our world. The respectable members are treated or the, the, those disrespected members are treated with greater respect. Paul is talking about unity in diversity. Paul is talking about justice for the oppressed. Today, the prophetic and faithful church is bringing healing into the church and into the world. So yes, our body might be sick, the church Yes, the church may need a multiple organ transplant or a prosthetic limb or a pair of new bifocals uh, to see the world with. But we're here and we're attempting to be faithful to the call that Jesus is leading us to, to proclaim good news to the poor, sight to the blind, release to those who are held captive, in Paul's metaphor, we're to honor the parts that are dishonored by the world. The work of the church in a time of healing and rebuilding is not only theological reformation. Rather, the church is called to the way 
of Jesus. So through practicing our faith, that's what we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks when we, um, when we think about our rule of life. We think about how are, we, how are we living, how are we practicing our faith on a daily and weekly basis. Through practicing our faith, the body of Christ will find new health. And so will its individual parts. That's you and me. We will find fulfillment in Christ when we practice our faith and when we do it as the body of Christ. Right now, the church may seem weak, may seem sick, but we are not consumed. We have hope in the resurrected Jesus. What hope-building practices do you have right now? Jesus set out with clarity and confidence, even though the whole system around him was broken. While we look at the church and those who call themselves Christians who might spew hate and lies about God, can we still enter the world with clarity for ourselves and bring love and healing into a world and into a church that so needs it? The practice of our faith is the healing and life-giving work of, of being people of peace, people of love, people of hospitality, people who have good news. So we begin this quest with awe and wonder. Back to that first passage, back to Psalm 19. This is the practice that God's people have done for millennia. We worship the Creator when we ponder the incredibly diverse and beautiful creation. Like Paul, then, we find understanding through the church, through God's word, through the diversity of the church. We find understanding in the scriptures. And then, like Jesus, we move into the world with clarity of our mission. Dr. King said, it really boils down to this, that all things are interrelated. We're all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied into a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one destiny affects all indirectly. All of creation is pointing toward God in worship. All of creation. Dr. King leads us to see that the well-being or the oppression of any part affects the well-being or the oppression of all. We're all connected in the love of God. I'll end with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a partner with Dr. King and just died, I think, two days ago. Through my love for you, he says, I want to express my love for the whole cosmos, the whole of humanity and all beings. By living with you, I want to learn to love everyone and all species. If I succeed in loving you, I will be able to love everyone and all species on earth. This is the real message of love, he said. I think Jesus would agree. When we love each other, it makes a bigger impact 
than just the simple acts of love for one another in our community, in our church, in our family. But it, it spills out into the world. The small acts of love are multiplied in the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, um, that we can see these strands that, that tie together and give us deeper understanding. God, we pray that you would continue to guide us in this hard time um, when we see people who call themselves Christians living and saying things that seem so different and counter to the way that we see uh, you living in the Gospels and the way that we, uh, we believe we are called to be in this world. God, we are encouraged, though, by so many around the world and in our communities and throughout our country who continue to seek you. God, build your body. Help us to see all the good happening. Help us to see the church being the church so that the true body of Christ will be built up, will be made strong again. Help us to see where our own parts need to be strengthened, need to be more healthy. Let us love one another. Let us love this beautiful creation. Let us love every human being you have created, even those who are far different from us. Let us not be in judgment, but let us be in love with it all so that we might build your body here on earth not out of hate ever, not out of separation ever, but always out of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Especially if you're in Pittsburgh and you might want to join us in person when we go back in person, please feel free to join us. Uh, just visit our website, pghopendoor.net. Um, go under the worship tab and you'll find all the info you need to be able to get the, uh, the link to our Zoom uh, worship gatherings. We'd love to have you. The music you're hearing now is Alyssa Creasy and myself, John Creasy. Bill Adams and Ian Darwin. Uh, we make up a band called This Side of Eve, and we also often play in worship on